I was choking in the lab late one night because glaucoma affects my sight. I started to have a coffin fit when I asked Weed Gore, "What is this shit?" They smoked my smash. This is my monster stash. It was my stash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up into the flash. It was my stash. It was my monster stash. Welcome to the very spooky oh. uh, 420 episode, yes. Ooh. Brought to you, uh, we have to do Monster Stash as a theme song because Rastafaratu presents a. <laughs> A new mini-series, an annual series, uh, where, uh, of course, (laughs) obviously, uh, every 420, uh, myself, uh, the, uh, as you've heard, Vern Tooley, and the soon-to-be-arrived, fingers crossed, Justin Germeroth, will, of course, every 420, work our way through the filmography of director Oliver Stone, uh, while also getting a little stoned ourselves in a series we called getting stoned getting stoned what better way to discuss the filmography of uh, one of uh, uh one of america's great auteurs what better way to discuss uh the uh Dense, problematic layered history. philosophy yeah the problematic <laughs> yeah. history of our nation than than this uh, these very, thematically this is... rich works <laughs> That we will be discussing with increasing lack of mental capacity. This is a very is going to be a very scholarly uh, debate. Justin um, is having technical difficulties because every single one of these podcasts we do is marred with all sorts of scheduling conflicts and technical difficulties. Uh, it's almost uh, Kevin and God myself does not want us to do this podcast. Kevin and God. myself get a real hard on for art that does not want to get made um <laughs> and art that shouldn't get made sometimes um and uh absolutely, get, absolutely this not. has been one of those things uh that is this has been trying to kill itself in the womb this entire time yeah before it's even been born it's not as if we've like put anything down on paper up until now the most investment we'd put into this project was my three ninety nine rental fee of the movie born on the 4th of July. And, um, <laughs> but now we got skin in the game. Um, yes. because I indeed purchased a real bargain, but an Oliver Stone box oh. set of Blu-rays for $20. Um, and that set will pay for itself in five short years of yeah. doing this mini series. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, this thing did not want to get born. It came out of the womb with the umbilical cord wrapped around its neck like a noose. Um, I, it came uh, out with a little cartoon Wiley Coyote sign that said, kill me. Yes. Uh, I rented Born on the Fourth of July, today's movie, Born on, uh, today's, this year's movie, Born on the Fourth of July from Top Hat Video. Got it for every bit of, uh, I, I think I might've got one ninety nine. Uh, whoa. Uh, and that, but that was like two months ago. And, yes, uh, I uh, checked Letterbox. I first watched this movie in the middle of February uh, when we were first scheduled to uh, talk about this film. It is now uh, 10 days before this episode needs to come out, and uh, and we're finally talking about it. And I, I considered this morning 
you know, as I was eating my breakfast burrito, like putting it on or like skimming through a little bit. And then I thought about how bad those vibes would be for my Sunday morning. And I opted, I opted instead to watch a film of opposite vibes. uh, Steven Soderbergh's Out of Sight. Yeah, uh, that's a good call. Um, uh, Very early on into watching this movie, I I realized, uh, oh, this is a, a bad idea. Uh, this is uh, bummer summer, <laughs> real real bummer, um, endless bummer, um, guys. Uh, this is one of the one of the ways we're going to freak your beans during this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Vietnam, huge fucking bummer, <laughs> huge fucking bummer. I know we're the first people to really talk about this because the 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 cultural memory of Vietnam is so sunny and so rosy already. Um, but uh, yeah, Vietnam. Uh, Bad, bad business. The opposite of flicking your bean. You know, if flicking yeah. your bean is like the epitome of good business, then Vietnam is is your bean remaining unflicked. Uh, yeah, a, a huge bummer. And one of the things that makes it such a huge bummer is like, uh, uh, not trying to get to be a a downer or whatever, but like Kevin and I have had some had some rough things happen to us. Justin has had we've all had rough things happen to us, and. Part of, like, uh, what helps us heal from those things is that, like, we can look at it and, like, well, it, I, 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 I learned the errors of my ways. I've grown as a person. I've become a better person. Uh, you know, there's, there's always a silver lining. And one of the things that makes Vietnam such a huge bummer is, like, uh, it happened for no fucking reason. This huge bummer uh-huh. uh, that, that just, like, traumatized an entire, an entire generation uh, just didn't need to happen. Uh, and yeah, it was a product of uh, toxic masculinity, honestly. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, you know, our your friend and mine, Henry Kissinger, who's still invited to all the White House Christmas parties. You know, um, you know, and, and many other people uh, architecting this war and, and 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 wrecking an entire country for again no reason. It it really is that scene at the end of uh, Burn After Reading when J.K. Simmons is like, "Well, Palmer, what did we learn here today?" We learned not to fucking do it again. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's all he, that's all he come back. Folks, come we back started out talking about rolling papers. Now we're talking about Pentagon papers. Let's tell... All right, let's start. Folks! Where, where were you when Daniel uh, leaked the first batch of Pentagon papers? Daniel, I can't remember his last name. Oh, you know, you know, Fern, I remember the exact spot I was on. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, we, you and I, you and I. God, I cannot think of a single other... Vietnam to weed corollary pun. It's not happening. I want it to happen so bad, but those neurons are not firing. It's nope. it's over, ma'am. Uh, uh, nope. Got nothing. Uh, yeah. yeah so, da, like, you ever had some of that Da Nang Kush? Yeah, uh, yeah, um, I, I have to use, uh, due to Utah's marijuana laws, I have to use a, a vape. Uh, and it's, uh, so my, my weed is surrounded in a full metal jacket. Um, okay. All right. That's, okay. That's something. Um, no, Daniel Ellsberg. Daniel Ellsberg is who Thank leaked you. the Pentagon Papers. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, guest on the pod. Daniel will be along later in the episode to talk about what it was like leaking the Pentagon Papers. Um, I do have an idea for a bit that I would like to do later on in the, in the podcast, but I feel like great. it's maybe... I feel like sober is a bad idea, uh, so doing it, uh, but it's a, we might have a guest later on, uh, we, uh, after Daniel Ellsberg, after Justin, uh, Kevin, 
Yes, sir. What is... Where were you when you first <laughs> heard Oliver uh-huh. Stone? What, what is your knowledge of Oliver Stone prior to this point? So that is a good question. I It has not been a good relationship. I believe the nascency of this very podcast was late last year when I was finally like, oh, let me fucking sit down and like watch JFK. It's like leaving HBO Max. I've mm. never seen it before. Let me just buckle in for a long evening of JFK. And like, I hated it. I hated it so much, Vern. I did not enjoy my time watching all 37 hours of that film, even a little bit. And we decided to do a podcast, and I said, sure, because those that that's my fucking... <laughs> Uh, that's your love language activation code phrase that's That's why you say you say let's start a podcast and i become alive like a fucking buried dormant sleeper cell and um (laughs) and yeah exactly and that's and i'll do i'll do whatever and i'll do whatever with you two boys um we don't get to make like films often enough we we must settle for podcasts unfortunately um but that's all good previous to that i had seen wall street okay uh with charlie sheen and michael douglas did not enjoy that film either i had seen natural born killers which i never even like could finish i found it so obnoxious now both of those two were in high school so it's possible my opinions had changed we might very well (laughs) find out that they have in (laughs) uh 10 to 20 years (laughs) as we progress (laughs) in this podcast um but I, i i will say this is the first oliver stone movie that I liked. I thought okay, it was a good okay. film. I thought this was a good motion picture. What about you? My uh, knowledge of Oliver Stone and his uh, his thing is probably about the same as yours was. Uh, just um, fast forwarded, like, it happened a little bit earlier in my life than it happened in yours. Uh, I remember in Washington, finally getting the JF, getting bitten by the JFK bug. And I said, I... Need to finally, uh, this is a cultural touchstone. Uh, I hear back and to the left all the time. I need uh, to understand that Seinfeld episode. I need yes. to finally get the joke of that Seinfeld episode. I, uh, yes, I, uh, so I, I decided to check it out. The The thing I remember most vividly about um, JFK uh, is whenever Dune was released in theaters, not the most recent uh, adaptation of Dune, but the David Lynch Dune, uh, that movie was released when you purchased your ticket to Dune, David Lynch's Dune, you received a note card explaining different terms from Dune and different plot points. The mark of a good movie. Um, of yes. They needed to do that with JFK. They need to do that same thing, but with a note card that says, Joe Pesci is supposed to look like that. Uh... <laughs> Joe Pesci plays a character, uh, and I hope, oh God, I'm stepping willfully into the Will Smith slap zone. Uh, Joe Pesci played a character with alopecia, uh, and a yes. historical figure with, uh, with, uh, from, from JFK, a real life person who had alopecia. And they introduce Joe Pesci like an hour into that movie, but... They don't explain that he has alopecia until, like, two hours into that movie. No one stops upon his entrance. And he he is a preposterous-looking gentleman. Yes. And not, not because he is hairless, because he has the worst rug and these, like, 
drag queen eyebrows. Like yes. These, it, it, it's, it's a garish sort of look. It's an orange man, bad Donald Trump uh, Halloween costume wig. Uh, and he is uh, painted up. He's got a lot of... Not putting down anyone who who wears uh, men who wear makeup or anything like that. It's just like this this uh, just to see someone like that in a historical nineteen sixties uh, yes. piece was and just like talking to people in suits and and being involved in conspiracies with people in suits. Like there's mm-hmm. a certain way that you expect that kind of person to look, and it, it, it is not like Joe Pesci in JFK nineteen ninety one. The way he looks in that movie is like it's questionable if it was. It looks like a technical error on the filmmakers. And yes. and that's like what how was did like, you so. you didn't camera test this makeup and it does not read the way it yes. looks in real life. Uh and and that yanked me out of the movie and I had to pause the movie and research this real life person. Um interesting, uh the person Joe Pesci plays in JFK, his name is David Ferry, uh, and that character exists in Martin Scorsese's uh I Heard You Paint Houses for Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um and Joe Pesci refers to that character that he played. Joe Pesci, who plays David Ferry, refers, says David Ferry in I Heard You Paint Houses. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I saw JFK. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, that's it. I, I'd seen JFK. My, my folks, I remember, like, when I was young, them having Born on the Fourth of July on TV and I saw it as a little kid, and I was like, ooh, this is sad. I don't want to see this. I don't like this. And I saw, like, a scene of it. Uh, There's no but, gremlins uh, in this. Exactly. Um, this isn't Dick Tracy or Batman. Um, <laughs> I want no part of this. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Oliver Stone has but, always but... been a, a person of interest in my, like... Uh, maybe he is a government person of interest, but he's also been a person of interest that's like, that's a filmmaker I'm curious about. Uh, and I've always wanted to explore. And JFK was the start of that. And uh, I don't know that I've ever seen anything else apart from just like, we we that, know Willem Dafoe running in Platoon through cultural osmosis. That one shot from Platoon is is honestly like, yes. perhaps that, the, the, that shot from Platoon and the line... Um, oh God, what was the, I don't, okay. I can't remember what I was going to say. So that's a bad sign for the rest of this podcast. It's all good. But, uh, but, um, that, but the weirdest thing about Oliver Stone to me is exactly what you were describing is that like Oliver Stone is so overtly political, has a fucking political agenda in every second of every movie that he makes and his movies played like blockbusters. Like yeah. his, his movies were cultural phenomenons. They painted iconic images. Your parents watched them. And they they played like huge there's no one like that today. The 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 closest is modern day Adam McKay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. As far as, like, overtly political with yeah. no assuasions otherwise. And even, like, Adam McKay's biggest, you know, his his last three movies have been, like, notable, but have not played, like, The Avengers, which is how Oliver Stone played. It was a, it was a, it was a real, like, um, 
what does Ja Rule think about this kind of situation culturally? <laughs> um, Oliver Stone released the movie W during the Bush presidency. And, like, him releasing that film, it, it cemented, like, that Bush was a bad president. If that makes any, like, you know what I mean? It, it was just like... All, it was fi- uh, finally America could admit it. Right? Well, yeah. Like, after... It After was just SNL like, gave us permission to laugh again, yeah. Oliver Stone made W, and it was it was okay to hate. It was just George this, w. Bush. this thing where it's just like Oliver Stone doesn't uh, doesn't normally. I guess it felt like he didn't normally pipe up until there was something to say. Uh, yeah, and so like when he's making something, when he makes Nixon with Anthony Hopkins, this yes. is with like decades of following up on what was the Nixon presidency at Mm -hmm. that, you know, like there was, there was something to say. And when he makes like JFK, it is specifically like, I mean, it's, 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 it it was like one of the biggest films of all time when it comes out. And it is three hours of conspiracy theories about the assassination of the president. And And it played better than Lincoln. And (laughs) yes. And it's not only is it like conspiracy theories, like, Oliver Stone is a, uh, he's a very good trial lawyer in that movie because he, with that movie JFK, he leaves out just enough evidence for the jury, the film people, the film going audience to come away with the verdict that like JFK was assassinated and like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like he, he, he planted like he, 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 he swung for the fucking fences and uh, and it was a, a box office smash, uh, and like it, there's this weird kind of element to it. It's like I don't know. It like feels like a dangerous movie, you know. Uh, and we we have to see it, uh, or else we're gonna or I don't know. And so like whenever W comes out during the Bush presidency, it's like oh my god, this is going to be an obituary. You know what I mean? Game over. Uh, R.I.P. Oliver Stone's about to assassinate the president. Yes, <laughs> yes, precisely. And, yeah, I mean, uh, he's and done. I, he's done in this town. Yeah, and I was just kind of just like thinking like, oh my god, this is going to... And that movie was critically okay. It didn't do super well. And like, everyone I talked to about it, uh, and myself, I've seen it, like, came away from W just like, we thought one of the criticisms we had of the movie was that it didn't go on, it didn't go on W hard enough. Yeah. That's the weird <laughs> thing about W, which is like after all of Oliver Stone's like complete conspiracy movies, he made like a world trade center movie. He made that Nick Cage world trade center. Movie. Yeah. That yeah. Was yeah. Him too. After all that W kind of like really lets him off the hook. He's like, he's yeah. just kind of this imbecile, like trying to get by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just kind of this Josh Brolin comedic buffoon character. It's, it's, and I, I'd forgotten about uh, see, having seen W until just a second ago because, like, it's so gloves off that it doesn't feel like an Oliver Stone movie. Absolutely. It, yeah. It, or it, gloves it, on, rather. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's like, all right, here, allow me to briefly run down the W, you know, cast. Josh Brolin as W. Elizabeth Banks as Laura Bush. Colin Hanks, Ian Gruffend, Toby Jones as Carl Rove, uh, Jeffrey Wright as Colin Powell, yeah. Dandy Newton as Condoleezza Rice, Richard Dreyfus as Dick Cheney. Like, we just keep going and going. Down, like, what is going on? 
I don't know. I just remember seeing that movie and just like, I don't know. And I don't know it in, in a weird way, like Oliver Stone, like it, that movie kind of feels like it, um, it like tarnished his legitimacy. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a, it's, it's this is it's Oliver Stone movies are the the cinematic equivalent of like just like a guy going on a crazed tirade on the street corner, but everyone like he's got some points. <laughs> <You know, like, laughs> this guy's making a lot of sense, and like conservative Midwesterners were like yeah. watching these movies. It's the biggest, it's the fucking weirdest thing in the entire world. Um, and there's nothing like that. But you're right. After W, like it's Wall Street too. Snowden. We with, find uh, out, yeah, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The one thing about Wall Street is it left the question. Like, I don't know. The only question it left hanging that I left, I had still in my mind in Wall Street was, uh, does money sleep? And Wall Street, <laughs> ha- Wall Street Two had to come along and be like, hey, we're money settling it sleeps. once for all. <laughs> uh, the, your you bar debates how, are over. You remember how like, uh, as a as an each as an Easter egg on the bonus features disc of like the rise and fall of this uh civilization uh you remember how like scaramucci is in wall street too yeah <laughs> it's just the mooch of course uh, yeah the mooch is there the mooch playing, is in wall street too. the mooch the mooch is in wall street too for as long as the mooch was in the bush president or the Trump presidency <laughs> uh Anyway, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. So Snowden, uh, continue. You, you, Snowden, yeah, but that, that's it. I mean, that's essentially everything he's done since then. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. some documentaries, more conspiratorial documentary work. And mm-hmm. he just never he just never really, like, comes back from that. Um, after W. You're right. It just, like, completely took the fucking legs out from under him. And, and I've been trying to, like, delay a little bit so Justin can hop on. And I don't want to... But uh, it is weird that... Uh, this movie, born on the fourth of Ju- born on the fourth of July, a movie that like comes out hard against the war in Vietnam and mm-hmm. comes out hard against uh, the United States. Um, it won Best Picture from the same Academy that booed Michael Moore whenever he won the uh, Oscar. You know when he gave the speech, yeah. uh, and it's. Which is so funny that they gave the Oscar to that movie, but then when he gave a political speech, they were like, ah, no. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's so weird. It's such a weird... uh, So that's why, like, Oliver Stone has been such a, like, an asterisk floating around me. Like, I'm curious about his filmmaking because it's like, uh, he's the one, like, he's, uh, he's the one, like crazy person we allow to be crazy i don't know <laughs> i don't no i agree and that is why it's like interesting and i think worth looking at and trying to discover more about is that yes. like well there has to be something there's something here that's at least mm-hmm. worth like what were these massive pop cultural points that hit at a point where like a movie like born on the fourth of july could be a box office smash hit yeah what, yeah yeah what, what was going on there it's not surprising that like it's not surprising that Zero Dark Thirty was a box office smash, but it is a surprise that JFK was a box office smash when you consider the people of America. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, I understand why American Sniper was uh, a big yes. hit in the United States of America. But, and this is like the late, this, this is 1989. The, the Reagan 80s. Like, this is not some, like, 
liberal swing that happened in in America at the time. If anything, the opposite was currently happening. And then fucking Born on the 4th of July comes out. It's just, it's so fucking strange. It's so bizarre. Um, and a worthy document to, 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 to talk about and discuss. Our Absolutely. process of choosing this one first was sort of like, all right, let's do this Oliver Stone cast. Uh, but we're going to kind of save some of the big ones for later. And I was, yes. and Kevin was like, I like Tom Cruise. Kevin likes Tom Cruise. Let's watch the Tom Cruise one. And no one put up a fight. No one stopped me. Yeah. Comfortable uh, entryway. Yeah. That's he. Uh, listen, when you're the audience of, mm-hmm. of Tom, Tom's going to show you the way. Tom's going to guide here, you through the picture. By the way. <laughs> yeah. Justin's Justin here. has arrived. Tom, Tom, Tom's going to give you the tour of the movie. Is like, right, Tom the Baptist. Exactly. Tom the Baptist. Pete Timmerman once said about Citizen Kane, um, he said that, like, Citizen Kane is the best movie ever made, but you have to have your hand held through it in order to mm-hmm. understand why it's so good. And uh, Born on the Fourth of July just seems like a good hand-holding experience into it, the world. It, it, of it's not a subtle film. So that, like... It... <laughs> It is very meticulous yes. no. in no, establishing no, and you how to come to its conclusion. Yes, exactly. How you might mm. reach the same conclusion that the yes. that the movie already has, and to and 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 in that respect, I think it's fairly effective. Though I already mm-hmm. hate the war in Vietnam, so maybe I it did not have to work as hard for me. Um, he, he was kind of preaching to uh, you know we're the outliers kind of culturally that like he yeah. was preaching to the choir. Uh, we were like, no, we. <laughs> he 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 was, but he was he he's very metho- me, um, methodical in a yeah, way that's refreshing. Um, and like he's not assuming you know. He's saying he's assuming you don't, and he's showing you why to be- to to believe the way mm-hmm. he thinks you should. He's very ideological. Yes. Um, so in case in case you're listening to this and you are not familiar with this movie. I just want to like give like a basic like plot outline mm. of, of what this movie. This movie follows a fella named Ron from upstate New York or whatever. It's and a he, true story. Yeah, mm. it's a yes. it's a true story based on a book. And um he he's he's what appears on every surface to be like a golden boy American mm. child. Yeah. Yes. I'd leave it to Beaver. He's a wrestler, he's handsome, the ladies mm-hmm. love him, you know, he works at the grocery store, you know, like he's He's just, by all accounts, like, a true blue, white-bred American and, boy. And, ooh, and, does he love the vets. He, that's exactly it, though. There's this poison that rests inside of him <laughs> that he should just go live the normal boy American life. But he wants to be a part of the military mm-hmm. so bad. And it's like this infection that rolls yes. through. It just, it compels him. Like It's a delusion as, like, a delusion he must overcome. Like, everyone around him is like, yes. man, chill out a little. We all love the troops, but, like, my man, come down a little bit. Should he, you, like, want to go to college? Uh, I guess, I don't know if Kevin said this, but, like, this character, Ron, uh, he, in real life and in the movie, is literally born. His birthday is July 4th. Uh, he yeah. shares a birthday with the the nation that he is, like, supposed to represent in this film. Uh, it's just hitting that home. This is a true story. Just this kid is America. This is America's values. This is America's I beliefs. Yeah. Everything. Uh, this is all. This is a 
This kid is America. Absolutely. The, the, the only person who encourages him is his, like, jingoistic mother. Yeah. His <laughs> just bananas uh, mom that I'm sure we will. We will yeah, call. his bircher mother. Absolutely. But he, uh, Ron goes to Vietnam. He accidentally kills uh, a, a, a fellow American soldier. Mm-hmm. And once he, and he's horribly injured in Vietnam. Um, he loses his legs, right? It's been two months. He, he, it's not that they don't yes. work. He loses them. Right. Yes. That it's he killed his like his um, comrade was told to ignore it and not talk about it. Yes, exactly. It's like it happens all the time. Move on. Let's let's go back. And he comes back to America and he carries this like incredible. This sucks. Oh my god. (laughs) This is bad. No. All this. It's oops. All Monday. All this bad stuff. I feel about Vietnam and America is exactly. Uh, energized by the the demon lettuce and uh, ooh, this is a bad idea. I'm <laughs> sorry, a bad idea. Yes. Anyway, um, continue. And yeah, and he comes back. He carries this tremendous guilt. He becomes uh, <laughs> a, 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 an anti-war veteran. You know, like going out and speaking against the Vietnam War. But his just his mania is too much, and it. Uh, kind of beats him and then he goes on this like crazy bender with uh willem dafoe and tom sizemore and just let me say let me say something to the audience out here if you are ever walking around traveling through mexico and you come across a card game being played by willem dafoe and tom sizemore under no circumstances do you sit down to play cards under no circumstances should you join that game. That game is bad vibes. You cannot join the card game. Do not. That game it's... only ends with bullets and a six-chamber gun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is that, folks. That is a. That is the that is our world's garden of eat like apple right now like don't eat that apple like don't participate under no circumstances uh and yeah that goes that goes it all goes about uh, about as well as you might expect from from that point on it's a feel-good film for the Mm -hmm. whole family um you know it's it's got something for everyone a four quadrant hit and uh, of course it was a massive box office success <laughs> this movie with that plot was a people people loved our legless lad people it could is. not get enough i loved seeing tom complain that his dick doesn't work like that was it's yeah. so my 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 like, red-blooded this, this american movie star performance all right. At some, okay, I just need to warn you both. At some point, there needs to be about ten or fifteen minutes of like me talking about Tom Cruise. You guys just let me know when you want that. To okay. Okay. Gotcha. I won't bring it there because it's rude, honestly. Yes. But at some point, we will need to talk about the over under of uh, Sir Thomas Mapother, uh, aka Tom Cruise. I also have a lot of thoughts i mean we could just do it now i also have a lot of thoughts about tom cruise let's just present this like jfk we're two uh two different attorneys and we'll present our evidence to you tom cruise uh what can be said about tom cruise uh uh, talking about tom cruise uh is risky business um (laughs) tom cruise tom uh tom cruise i think is just like the uh just the the gold standard for uh, problematic faves. Uh, I 
uh, he's uh, Hollywood's hero, but like there's just some stuff uh, pertaining to the faith that he's a part of that was like unnerves me and makes me uncomfortable. And it's uh, it's an asterisk that I cannot. It's a footnote that I can't like not pay attention to whenever I'm watching something of his. Mm-hmm. So I'm not big on Tom Cruise. Uh, it's a thing. I understand he's he's very talented, but I, I can't see past the other stuff. This movie, like, he's, he's, he's going for it. He's going for it in this movie. I think, like, I don't know if it's uh, prosthetics or if it's uh, he, his actual facial hair, but, like, sometimes he looks... He's got a comedy mustache. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so sometimes yeah. whenever he's making these big kind of like he swing for the fences, they're undercut a little bit by by what he's wearing. He's 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 great. He's always mm-hmm. great. Um, but uh, a lot of this film is castaway yeah. beards. Yes, 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 yes. Um, much like. I, I already had feelings about Vietnam coming into this movie. Uh, I have feelings about Tom Cruise coming into any Tom Cruise performance that taints, you know, taints the pool a little bit. Um, but, Kevin... Well, well, Justin, if you have any oh, particular Justin. thoughts about Tom Cruise. Oh, no, please, no, go off. Go off, <laughs> okay. King. We're drinking water, folks. Taking, taking a sip of water. Taking um, a sip of water, yeah. Like a ventriloquist, like I was trying to make a puppet talk. Um, <laughs> so... Tom Cruise is, in my opinion, without question, our best current living working movie star. And in my humble opinion, he might very well be the best movie star in the history of Hollywood motion pictures. Um, And there are many reasons for this in my eyes. One, he is obviously a dynamic and an incredible screen performance. Like that really goes without saying. And uh, there's some there's a different quality to being a quote unquote actor and being a quote unquote movie star. And he is full movie star in the same way that like earlier today I was watching George Clooney and I was like, that's just a fucking movie star. It's that thing you mm-hmm. can't fucking articulate. Like he's not just handsome. We have lots of handsome guys, but like there's just some quality that'll take you up over that edge. The it factor. Anyway, he has the it factor. He's got he's got some fire. He's got pizzazz. He's got whatever it is. He has it. Um, and, and Tom has that in spades, but in addition to that, Tom Cruise, one, he's very selective about movies and it's not as if he's never made a bad movie, but if the three of us sat here, we could name every Tom Cruise movie. You know, it would not Mm -hmm. be that difficult. He is not one of those guys that has 400,000 credits, but Mm -hmm. even in addition to that, Throughout his entire movie star career, and yes, we think of him as, like, Mission Impossible Tom Cruise, which, you know, I love that mode as well. But this is a guy who, at the height of his movie stardom, specifically chose the best, most technically sound, and most interesting filmmakers to use his star power to generate films do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like he whereas like our modern day movie stars like the rock will choose the least interesting directors in the world because he needs to stop whatever the project is and it needs to be a the rock movie and he doesn't want a filmmaker who will get in the way Mm -hmm. of it being a the rock movie whereas tom cruise from the beginning, even after, you know, he has Risky Business in 83, 
which is his big star maker. He'd been in, uh, he was in, he's in The Outsiders, Francis Ford Coppola, the same year, you know? So this wow. is his big catapult um, to being like a household name movie star. And, and, and he starts working with Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, Martin Scorsese, Oliver Stone, Rob Reiner, who at that time was like, a phenomenal mm. like five out of ten out of ten filmmaker he does uh the firm he does interview with a vampire he he starts to he works with kubrick you know yeah. he works with uh paul thomas anderson he is a director or i'm sorry he is an actor who gives over his persona to a great filmmaker and says use me you know mm. like i want to work with the best which has always been his thing, the best at everything. You know, that's why he has to, like, strap himself to the side of a plane because he just can't fucking help himself. And there's a, there are many particular ways in, in which Tom Cruise is broken that make him, like, a pretty despicable human being by every account, but an excellent movie maker. An excellent, yeah. like, a person at making entertaining movies. And, and even the fucking Mission Impossibles... You, the first one is directed by Brian De Palma, then John yeah. Woo. You know, like it was he yeah, was working shit. with the best in the game, even in his franchise mm -hmm. stuff. And the name Brad Bird, <laughs> you know, like the fucking Incredibles guy. Um and and now he's got Macquarie, who is kind of like his go-to guy. But he consistently throughout Michael Mann, Steven Spielberg, like I'm scrolling up the list, and it's just like it's ridiculous the the number of great he's worked with everyone. He's like Adam Driver. He's worked with all the great directors except for like the Cohen brothers. You know, like Tom has never been in a Cohen brothers joint. But that's just what that's what sets him apart for me, as opposed to these people that do these anonymous movies. He's doing Born on the Fourth of July at like the height of his Top Gun powers. This he makes the most political movie ever. Yeah. Like at the height of his movie stardom, you know? It's just that's what makes him interesting. I'll stop. But no, you're, that's why I can never look away. All all your points are completely valid. Uh, uh you made points I never considered before. Uh it's a uh, he is just like, yeah, the the last of the movie stars. You know, Brad Pitt, like, there's no way things like Sorry to Bother You and 12 Years a Slave get made mm -hmm. without Brad Pitt. Yeah. Brad Pitt doesn't have the same pedigree that, uh, no. that Tom no. Cruise and, and does. And... Brad is doing this sort of inverse thing where Brad Pitt, his, like, primary career now is producing independent movies about minority yep. cultures in America. Yeah. Like, that, that's, he, every time you watch, like, oh, that was an interesting film about, like, the Asian American experience in America. Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt! <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Um, but Brad Pitt's list of people he's worked with is not quite as stacked yeah. as, as, as Mr. Thomas. But he's a great... That's something... That's what I love about Brad, mm. is that Brad will do exactly what you're describing. Brad Pitt is the... Uh, Brad branches out, but Tom pursues pedigree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, whenever you look at, like, a, the, the, the program bill, like, this year's funding for the arts would not be possible without... And there's, like, the platinum tier, and there's, like, the gold tier. Uh -huh. Tom Cruise is, like, the first name on that platinum tier list and donations. Yeah. But, like, Brad Pitt mm -hmm. is one of, like... 250 anonymouses. And so it's it's hard to, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, Justin, 
this happened when you were uh, off mic. Uh, what, what prior mm-hmm. to this? What has been your experience in your history with Oliver Stone? Uh, I've seen JFK. Okay. And also the untold history of the United States. Is that the Putin his, thing? His uh his twelve part uh real uh in quotes history of America. Oh, okay. So Justin, you have a a, a a wider knowledge because you have such a wide and vast knowledge on weirdo things, uh, and that's why we love you. Uh, you have already you've got you've got some uh, Oliver Stone foundation. Yeah, I I guess uh, <laughs> I would not. I've only watched um. I've only, this is the second movie I've seen. His historical docu like documentary series is I guess would be reflective of current stone, not as much movie maker stone. Uh, I see. Uh, just how how I am with Werner Herzog, where I know more him. I know him more from just the weirdo stuff that he's done than I've known his body of work. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So Kevin, you said you said you liked the movie. I did. <laughs> I, now that's a particular bit of phrasing you've thrown out here. But uh, unlike other stones, maybe it's the focusedness of it. Do you know what? I'm like, like it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand it so clearly from the outset, and I can feel its its movements a little bit more. I like the way they portray, you know, Ron as the and I and I I grew up with many mm-hmm. people like this myself, where it's like they just get this like infused you know you call it brainwashing or whatever like a fetishization of the american military that like this guy should have a normal successful life he should go be a madman you know he should be on mad men but he's not because he has this 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 wretched blackness that lives within him Mm -hmm. that is like i simply must uh, participate in well, this machine. No, no, like, I, I, the frame, the film does frame it as sort of an outlet for his anger because he lost a wrestling championship right before he wanted to enlist. This yeah, well, he was always, and it sets it up as like a sense of sort of misplaced vengeance. And I, and I, I, uh, I see that as well. But that well, that anger could have gone to a different place if he wasn't already obsessed with the military. Yeah. You know well, I mean? also yes. like. Oh yes, no. He's in the wrong for taking it out on, on, like on innocent people. At least the way the film frames well, it. The, well, the thing is, uh, what happens in the first half of this, well, throughout this movie, is just like all of his relationships suffer. Whether it be uh, friendly, mm-hmm. romantic, his relationship with wrestling, uh, he cannot commit to anything as much as he can commit to America. That's that's the that's the ex he can't get over, <laughs> right? Uh, with his, with all of his uh, relationships, and uh, uh, like you like you said, Kevin, it's kind of like a, a sickness in him that he's he's got to do this. And like I, I just say all this, it's like yeah, he lost that wrestling tournament, but like he didn't he couldn't train as hard because it's too busy loving mm. America, <laughs> like, too busy not... loving his country. I can't yeah. get an erection. I'm too busy thinking mm. about America. You know, yeah. it, 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 it ruins what everything else in his life, this this thing that yeah. he, he is obsessed with. And then it ruins the rest of his life. You know, like it just it, it's a yeah. it's a tanked mm. version of the idyllic American life that is just like it's ruined by the And when like he goes to Vietnam and it's fucking it's 
all that red, like it's the beginning of Alice doesn't live here anymore or something. Like yeah. it's just like he's entered <laughs> mm-hmm. hell. He's just like literally tromping through hell that he put himself in on purpose, you know, like he's just, mm-hmm. he's living in it and then it destroys him. So that like when he goes to the military hospital and the, the, the staff, the nurses, the orderlies are like, I don't care about Vietnam. Like, I, you don't understand that, like, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. care. Take your Vietnam and stick it up your ass is, like, that's the first time he's like, well, how could anyone not love America? Yeah, like, yeah, what, yeah. Do you, what do you mean? It just, like, shatters his entire world, which is built on this flimsy patriotic foundation. And it just, it, it wrecks mm. His sight, he is the anime protagonist who's like, I devoted my entire life to the sword and I was defeated. You know, like, it, why don't, what, what does it mean? What is my purpose now? And he just loses himself in this. And, um, and then he ends up hanging out with Tom Sizemore, which is never good. Ever, don't ever, be, ever. Don't be doing that. You can't be hanging out with Tom Sizemore. It's, uh, you know, it's like... He's a problematic white guy. <laughs> and, like, sure. mm-hmm. he invested so much into something that he loved. And mm-hmm. whenever he did not feel like he got a return on his investment that he deserved, like, he lashed out in just the worst possible way. Mm-hmm. In a way, a self destructive way, in a destructive way. Uh, and uh, it's, it's more ominous. Um, because, like, uh, he directed all that love, instead of directing that love to, like, a woman, or directing that love to, a a business, or whatever, he directed that to, like, mm. his country, and so, like, mm-hmm. uh, every single day of his life is just this re-traumatizing experience, because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, of just all that he sacrificed, and I don't... Uh, it's no one respects. No one it. respects it. No one respects how much he sacrificed. Yes, and it's uh, I don't know. It's such a, it's a fucking heavy ass movie. <laughs> like, it's a heavy putting, movie. It's extremely it's a heavy. heavy. Movie. That, uh, that scene where like it's his first you know time back and he's like about to give the speech at the the Fourth of July uh, uh, celebration mm-hmm. in his little fucking. Um, hill valley ass town is like ground they're swinging 60s yeah Yeah. and like and he's just like he's losing it he's like melting down he just like he literally cannot function with it well it's anymore yeah like uh it's like so troubling just like this is an event made to celebrate america and like uh what says celebrate america more than like fireworks and every time these fireworks goes off he flinches like and it's like uh you know, as this movie posits that like the thing that we do to celebrate our nation re-traumatizes us every single year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that we're continuing this cycle. I don't know. It's just uh, ask everyone's dog. You know, like, they'll, they'll tell you first. They hate it. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely fucked. It's it's very bad. I I gotta say, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I'm a dumb person. I'm not a smart person. I never have claimed to be a smart person. I'm perpetually going to be a dumb person. The the the, the thing I, this is a, a a powerful movie. This movie has a lot to say. There's so much. This is a heavy movie. Just the thing is, it's like, I don't know if you guys had this, but just like at a certain point, just like 
because his life and the experience of the movie became so miserable, like eventually you just kind of become numb to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. which I think is definitely. kind of the point. Like the old, like the only thing that uh, Ron ever really kind of comes to terms with his life is literally by leaving the country. Uh huh. He can't be in America anymore. God damn. He has yeah. to literally his, get out. His beloved America. Anything. If it is analogous to anything, it's to the, the no time to die. When James Bond cannot touch the woman he loves and mm-hmm. so decides to die by a bunch of missiles. <laughs> it's That <laughs> is Tom Cruise in this movie. Sorry, spoilers for no time to die. It's... Um, <laughs> That is that is the story of Ron Kovic, and we haven't even mentioned that his dad is played by Raymond J. Barry from Walk Hard, and he doesn't come in and be like, "Wrong kid went to Vietnam." Oh my god! <laughs> no, he's the, he's the most heartfelt performance in the whole movie. Yeah, wrong kid is doing tequila with Tom Sizemore. <laughs> The wrong legs died. <laughs> I was so worried going into this movie, having watched Walk Hard, that it was going to be like watching The Godfather after watching like that movie Marlon Brando did with Matthew Broderick. Uh, yeah. I was so <laughs> afraid that like I knew the parody version of it more, that like it would ruin the real life version of it. Uh, but uh, Raymond J. Barry is very just like level-headed mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh in a way that i was not uh, expecting uh kind of a well, i don't he know he actually it, cries in front of his son his mother doesn't yeah it's a kind of a weird um like he's actually concerned for his son's welfare it's kind of like right. a weird uh like i don't i don't know the proper word to put say but like kind of stunt casting you would feel that like tom cruise's character would have a hard-ass dad uh, right. You know the red-blooded American male or something, but it's uh no, no, that that's all coming from wrinkle. the mother. That was an interesting wrinkle, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, there's so uh, so much to say uh, about this movie, and like we barely hinted at Willem Dafoe, who's got second billing in the movie, and he doesn't appear in the movie until over halfway through, and he's there for every bit of eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Willem Dafoe must have had a good agent at the time. I mean, I guess if you're looking at the cast of this movie, he is, like, the second most famous guy. (laughs) And he's, I mean, he's, uh, that's a, who boy, is that a big role? Is that a... (laughs) It's a juicy one. It's a juicy one. Certainly. Get to to say a lot of... (laughs) A lot of shit uh, when you're Willem Dafoe in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, get to have some very uh, distressing scenes uh, yeah. that are happening. Uh, every scene with the prostitutes was so deeply uncomfortable to me. Oh yeah, I uh, wanted to crawl out of my own skin. Yeah, uh, can I say that um, it is interesting to see a movie that like uh, all the the big Vietnam movies that I had seen prior to this. Uh, focused on the event itself and uh this is one of the first movies i've seen that focused on the aftermath yeah um, yeah which i thought was interesting the mm-hmm. only other movie uh, i'd seen uh is uh first blood the first rambo movie sure. uh but uh so that was an interesting um uh take I, I mean, I mean, I guess also, like, he'd already done Platoon. He'd already done, like, uh, but I guess, I don't know. Um, 
Normally, you don't when you when you hear uh, cultural like media surrounding Vietnam, you only hear about the event itself, uh, and so it's a nice uh, weird mm-hmm. little outlier to focus on uh, uh, the aftermath. Because it, it's not just it's not interested in highlighting the war as any kind of absurdity, which is what a lot of us do. Like we don't like a lot of movies yes. do. They don't even really grapple with the morality of it. They just blur it into just saying it was crazy. Yeah. And this movie explicitly breaks that down and says, like, no, it was crazy. And us continuing to just uh, to just brush it aside as it being crazy is what is ruining everything. Yeah. It's only by actually looking at what we did in a right and wrong framework can we actually come to terms with our action and make better on it and actually undo the harm we've done? Yeah. Damn. It's it's frank and it's, <laughs> it's unflinching and I understand it not being, you know, like, oh, let me put on uh, <laughs> let me put on this movie real fast, you know? Yeah, it's just a, it is yeah, not like to... I need something to watch while I'm doing laundry. Is it a Yeah. <laughs> we need to invent a term. We need to invent a term for this. Is it a um? Is it a movie that did well? Is it a movie that had such a high box office return? Is it a movie that was so critically acclaimed? Um, as it was, is it because it's a a Passion of the Christ movie, a movie that comes along mm. to America so long that uh, it feels like an obligation to see it? Hmm, that I, is interesting. I think there's something to that because we have to remember this was also the 90s when we were pretty sure liberalism won. And so we could just, and like all the people who opposed the war can just feel comfortable examining the the sin and and just sort of presenting it as kind of uh, almost as like a form of penance. Yes, yes, yes. That's that is the best terminology because it's like mm-hmm. uh, born and raised Catholic being in being an active member of the Catholic Church at the time that Passion of the Christ came out. Like it did feel like this is something that you need to do. It was an unspoken thing that like you need to do this as part of your penance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That like like it was a the reason I've seen that movie and who can say that I've seen it? I was in a theater while it played, but my eyes were closed and covered the whole time because. Uh, super gory and gross. It's um, nasty. It's a snuff film. Mm. Um, but like, just this unspoken thing. Like, if you it, you are continuing to sin by not seeing the Passion of the Christ, or um, um, oh, or Schindler's List. That would Schindler's be, List. Yeah, I think the other movie like that of watch watching it is partially an act of more morality. Yes, uh, I kind of feel like maybe born on the I, I i don't know i wasn't around at the time but maybe that was just like a uh uh, uh, uh an act of reconciliation was to watch born mm. on the fourth of july is it only three is it only born on the fourth of july schindler's list and the passion of the christ is that the uh is that is that the penance trilogy the, <laughs> well no i'm sure more um hell i i do think that's a lot of like Academy like political films are like Mm, Crash is one of those. We must 
We must honor Crash because it ended right. racism. We must Green Book. Uh, we must nominate mm. Don't Look Up for it says mm -hmm. the right things. Framing morality as a consumer choice, as yes. like a thing you're a good person for buying and consuming. Yes, Green Book. Yes. Um, and to the point yeah, that unfortunately makes a lot of noble sentiments suspect by association. Yes, now people automatically think of any movie that like doesn't have Iron Man in it as some like dubious attempt to win an Academy Award. Yeah. You know, like now we have this thing where people people use the word Oscar mm -hmm. bait to mean like anything <laughs> yeah that, that anything that like again does not have iron man in it is like suspect to be oscar bait um which is so weird and so like dismissive mm -hmm. it's so incurious as like a consumer of media you okay. know to just be like i am doubt why why i i do not doubt the most corporate product to ever exist i doubt the mm -hmm. occasional variances from it well, well, no, it went from a savvy insider observation mm -hmm. to a kind of reverse gatekeep in that <laughs> it tries to keep everything in away from us. Right. Instead of locking us, it tries to quarantine art. Yeah. Um. Rather than uh, prevent others from accessing it. It's just saying, uh, it, it's, oh, I'm not going to engage with that because there's no Spider-Man. Right, and you see this, like, proliferation, like, it's not... But also, mm -hmm. Spider-Man needs to be treated as seriously as this stuff. As the Oscar bait, right? It's yeah. like, I like Spider-Man because it's silly, and because I like it, it must be treated as the... <laughs> As as serious and as technical as all these other things, because I saw five movies last year and they all had Spider-Man in them. Uh, and it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's not even just proliferated by, you know, your uncle at the family reunion. It's like fucking Trevor Noah getting up and doing yeah. jokes about like, aren't Oscar movies broccoli? And I'm like, in what way is like licorice pizza or 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 West Side well, that's Story. Also, like, how are these films like? They're not obtuse. They're the, not difficult mm. to understand, and they're bright and they're fun. Like, it's not you're not eating your peas. That's also coming from a guy whose TV show is basically an Oscar bait show. This now, is true. Where you don't watch it because you like it. You watch it because it shows you're a good person. Yeah. Uh, like it, it is that kind of more like consumer morality. Bro, those uh, those statements by Trevor Noah and Trevor Noah were particularly like inflammatory because like uh, the movie that like swept the Oscars was was Dune, but we don't think of it that yeah. way because it won in the uh, the you know the awards that uh, make a movie what a what a movie is. Those weren't broadcast. Yeah. Um, right. But like, Co Coda is a Disney Channel ass movie. Like, it's yeah. not like an, <laughs> an obtuse art piece. It's a very normal film. <laughs> but uh, like, I was going to say, like, Dune swept at the Oscars, and Dune was a cultural event whenever it came out. Yes. That was, yeah. that was one of the few outliers that were like, you know, people were talking about, you know, it's Dune was the comic book movie of the month. Uh, and uh, it's very, like, I don't know what the term is, but it's very dumb to refer to that as, as a vegetable movie. 
uh, just a few mm. months after we were like greedily lapping up those vegetables. Yeah, we liked <laughs> steamed broccoli when you made it last week, and now yeah. we are like, what well, happened? Um, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking bizarre. And like every year, you know, something like Avatar or Fury Road is nominated for Best Picture. Like Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture like three years ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. remember? It's uh, that, that same year, Spider Man uh, won Best Animated Film. God, it's like the the same. <laughs> these people want to want to go to war for Marvel the same way that Ron Kovic wanted to go to war for America. For America. <laughs> it's the only thing, much like the American imperialist machine, the Academy Awards is the only thing the Marvel company doesn't own, so they yeah. they want to own it. It's the only, it's the last piece. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's Napoleon trying to conquer Russia while he's not done with, you know, it's like, you're not going to make it's that work, last, buddy. Uh... You're overextending yourself. It's the last stone on the Infinity Gauntlet. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the yeah. last thing. That, it's the last thing. It's all they have, and um, it's it's the last. It's the last way they can feel like a victim because they want to complain, and they're like, mm-hmm. "You, I have uh, you shut me out of the Academy Awards." It's so frustrating because uh, people take uh, people always take the worst interpretation of anything you say ever, and uh, they all did that yeah. with Martin Scorsese. And oh like, my god. And they paint Martin Scorsese as just like, oh, he's just a grumpy old man or whatever. And like, the shit that he's talking about is like, it, it, it was just now that I was able to see everything everywhere all at once. But yep. I could go to any theater within spitting distance and still watch the new Spider Man movie. Like,. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I, there was a, a a window of maybe two weeks where I could see Licorice Pizza in theaters, and now it's gone. But I can still go see the new Spider-Man movie. Like, right, mm-hmm. Do- uh, Doctor Michael Morbius is in his office today. He has office hours. You know, it yes. like it's it. Marty did not say anything wrong. He just said that one thing that was very easy to take in bad faith. And people mm-hmm. took it in bad faith, and because now, and then you can dismiss everything else he said. Of course, from like the person who maybe is the biggest in the history of film, as far as like distribution and preservation mm-hmm. and restoration. Like no one has done more yeah. for the medium than than yeah, no, the, the, the highest profile person who actually cares about film as an institution to be preserved and propagated. As art to be cataloged and respected and kept in conditions to continue to exist. And people are just like, he doesn't like Ant-Man. What? I I mean, uh, just like how people, uh, you know, like, dismissed Ron Kovic. (laughs) Like, we always... We always bite the hand that feeds us. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no one that loves cinema more than Martin Scorsese, uh, and he's he's the villain right now. Uh, there's nobody. There's probably nobody who loves his country more than Ron Kovic. And whenever he started being critical of the country that he lived in, that's when we dismissed him as a kook. Like uh, we 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 constantly bite the hand that feeds us, and it's a it's forever a huge bummer. <laughs> we it's i don't know it's uh if it weren't for martin scorsese's efforts you know we uh you we could lose we could lose a spider-man movie you know if it weren't for like 
these methods that he invented for film preservation and whatnot. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, yeah. It's it's a it's a shame that we get so up in arms over uh, the things that are meaningless and and so dismissed over the things that are meaningful. Mm. It's a huge bummer. Yes. Uh. So that one. <laughs> I mean, it all. I mean, that's that's the movie, though. I mean, we did ordain yeah. to talk about a phenomenally, I mean, depressing and complicated I, filmography. Yeah, obviously, just like when you have such a messy love affair with the subject matter, you know, like yeah, which is America. Well, no, I think that's Stone's relationship to America. Exactly. Like something that he loves deeply and has a deep set that he has deep faith that it can do good yeah. it's just that there are external it's just that there are entities within it that prevent it from being as such yes and uh yeah. you know that same dumb thing just like you don't love america you can get out and like mm-hmm. and people don't understand that like uh, you know, part of loving something or loving someone is like wanting them to be the best version of themselves that they can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love my wife. I love my wife so much, but like I'm not gonna support her if she starts drinking like a 12 pack a day. Like <laughs> I'm gonna want her to do better uh, because I love mm-hmm. her. And uh, for a brief window of time, uh, whenever Born on the Fourth of July came out, and we gave it an Oscar for Best Picture, with the exception of that one window of time. Uh, we, uh, we dismiss these things and we, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird phenomenon that it, that it didn't happen with that. You'd feel like this movie would be, uh, because it's so critical that, uh, that it'd get, it'd get shunned and it was not. Well, no one listened to him, did they? No. Like, no one listened to Oliver Stone. They just, they just liked it. For all we know, they could have just liked it as a movie. Like, yeah. And I, like they just like yes, thank you, Oliver. That's a very nice film about a man coming to terms with how he hurts others. Thank you, Oliver. Because like like what was best pictured the year after? Oh, nineteen ninety. That's Goodfellas getting snubbed. Uh, oh, Dances with Wolves. Oh wow. Okay. You know, like we uh, us three, we look at art and media with a much closer eye than the average bear. And like, uh, bears don't look at media at this all. This is true. They um, go, mm. uh, unless I guess they watch like stream. They watch their streaming service is a stream <laughs> uh, <laughs> where they try to retrieve fish. Uh, but uh, and that's the content they need. Uh, but uh, fish is a con- I gotta catch my fish storms. is the content bears need. <laughs> that's the content they crave. Give me that hashtag content. Um, uh, I will say this film did not win Best Picture. Oh, it did it, not. It won Best it, Screenplay. Uh, yes, I believe so. Platoon won Best Picture a few That's years right. before That's that. Right. This film lost to Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, another. It's uh, another one of those. Another like, Green Book. Another, another Green Book. Yeah. The original Green Book. Um, yes, this is, of course, famously the year that, uh, uh, Do the Right Thing was not even nominated. And Driving Miss Daisy won. Yes. Best Picture. So that was kind of famous. But before this, Tom Cruise is in the Best Picture winner, Rain Man. Oh. The year previous. Interesting. Uh. Yeah. I, 
my copy that I rented from Top Hat said Oscar winner, and I my brain digitized it as <laughs> best picture. Interesting, very interesting. Um, yeah. What were yeah. we? Uh, we were saying something before the uh, Justin asked about uh, what year one after what one the year after this. Yeah, well, like, just because I kind of want to get a yeah. chronology of gotcha. where this film sure. was in the academy. You know what? I would, I would, I would, I would love to. Allow me to. Let's. Let, I'm on the Wikipedia for best picture, so I can I can give you a kind of rundown here of like the 80s. Because this might also help us kind of better pinpoint the cultural moment this sure. film exists. In. So let me run you through the 80s. 1980, Ordinary People. Robert Redford's Ordinary People wins best picture over Raging Bull and The Elephant Man. Uh, after that, Chariots of Fire um, is going to win over Reds and Raiders of the Lost Ark, actually. Uh, then mm-hmm. then Gandhi uh, defeating, I guess the next one would be E.T. or Tootsie. Uh, Terms of Endearment, then Amadeus, then Out of Africa, uh, then Platoon, uh, then The Last Emperor, then Rain Man, then Driving Miss Daisy. Um, and the beginning of the 90s are actually, like, got some bangers in there. Dances with Wolves, notwithstanding, in 1990, but then Silence of the Lambs, then Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, uh, then Schindler's List, then Forrest Gump, uh, Brave Heart. That was uh, in- Forrest Gump won over uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, yes, and uh, and and Shawshank and Quiz Show, you know, mm-hmm. like it was a it was a heavy year, and uh, and it um, uh, the wrong kid died. Uh, yes, <laughs> English Patient, Titanic, Shakespeare in Love, and American Beauty will close us out of the nineties. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's kind of a weird place because like Platoon wins a few years before that, uh, but this one yeah, loses like- to a a preposterous breast picture winner for driving miss daisy it's an interesting and then a couple years later we're doing like silence of the lambs which is like a bit you know like a genre picture it's like a thriller yeah like we go from like this period is clearly like very like winners are very like politically oriented Mm -hmm. like you know like holly lib is uh in full display absolutely yeah rain man and driving it gets more mixy we get like an action movie in there yeah we get we get we get like the 90s feel more mixed bag you get a war movie with braveheart you get whatever the fuck forrest gump is you get a western Mm -hmm. you know you get the english patient over fargo and like come on come on it's fargo but uh, Jerry Maguire's same year as well. Also Tom Cruise. Titanic, you know, a big spectacle movie. Shakespeare in Love, yeah. a romance. American Beauty, again, whatever the fuck American Beauty is. Um, the wrong kind of horny. Wrong, wrong kind of horny. <laughs> Son, that's the wrong kind of horny. <laughs> Boy. Uh, yeah, so that's um, so that's that's where we're at in the in the Best Picture race. Um, and it is, a, it is a wild, wild time. Wild, wild time. Mm. Wild, wild west. And, of course, Wild, wild west. The Oscars. <laughs> Best picture. Best picture. Wild, wild west. Uh, no, oh. defeated by American Beauty. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Uh, weird. You know what, guys? Life's weird. Uh, things are weird. Um, <laughs> the Academy Awards are weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's a little too late for Oscar talk, but, like... I don't know. Uh, the Oscars are so... I watched them this year. Uh, it's the first time I've watched them in a long time. Same. Um, Me too. And there's this... I don't know. Like, I've not I, I've not 
seen Coda, and I don't want to dismiss Coda at all. But, like, I don't know. There's just some things that just make me feel funny. I don't feel... I feel funny whenever, like, they bring interpreters up for every time Coda wins an Oscar, but not for when anyone else wins an Oscar. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like, oh, they, you know, and, uh... And, we're, and, we're banning Will Smith, but, uh, you know, we'd still let in Roman Polanski or Woody Allen. Or, yeah, or Kevin Spacey. <laughs> and, like, Kevin, you know, and, like, we're going to write articles that Will Smith should return his Oscars, but, like, how many does, uh, you know, Weinstein have? You know, and, like... Mm, right. Uh, and then, you know, of course, every year... Uh, we're, I don't know what, what year we're on, but like every year we go another year where we've not apologized for how we've treated Shasheen Littlefeather. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't, you know, we also, we booed Michael Moore whenever he's giving his speech about the, mm-hmm. the war on, I don't know. It's Susan Sarandon breathes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, See how everyone treats her. I don't know. The Oscars are just, I don't, I, 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 I feel like. What I feel like part of what adds to this, like, machine is that just, like, we, uh, you know, my dad told me that no one watches the Oscars anymore because they're too woke. And, uh, and, uh, which is, uh, ridiculous when you consider how many people were talking about the fucking Oscars the day after it happened. But, you know, whatever. Um, but, like... I wonder if, like, that's what makes us, like, Spider-Man needs to win an Oscar. Because, like, the Oscars and the Academy does these sometimes, like, performative gestures. And, but without any, like, explanation of why these things are good. As I said earlier, Pete Timmerman said that Citizen Kane is the best movie of all time. But you have to have your hand held through it in order to understand, like, why it's why it's so important. And the first time I saw Citizen Kane, I was like, yeah, that was good. All right, whatever. And I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, oh, there's movies I like better. But then after I, like, learned about Citizen Kane and where it took place in, you know, time, I watched Citizen Kane after that. I was like, oh, my God. A masterpiece. Uh, and I wonder if just, like, we say Coda is important. We gotta go see Coda. But, you know, a dumb guy who's been mostly fed on a diet of Spider-Man movies goes and sees Coda. And they go, oh, that didn't do any. I, you know, with no knowledge of why Coda is good. They're and not then, setting up anything. Yeah, and then yeah. so like, then we 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 dismiss the Oscars thoughts on every the Academy thoughts on everything going forward because they they led us astray on Green Book or whatever. Uh, and I just I wonder if I've been I feel a certain way about the Oscars and I felt a certain way about the Oscars for a long time and I don't know how to articulate that. You hate them. I think I, I think the issue with the all Spider Man diet guy. Is that? <laughs> Oops! I guarantee, I guarantee you, they wouldn't give a shit about Coda being like a deaf movie. But boy, are they excited for the upcoming Disney Plus show featuring the MCU's first deaf hero. Yeah, yeah, and that's their only standard for like progression is like a deaf person is now in Marvel instead of like you know making check out all these great deaf movies right with with fame you know marley marley matlin is an academy award winner you know but like you know you can't get him to watch that it's like the there there's there's all these different ways in which you know it's it's a silly little cycle that we go through again and again and again um Mm -hmm. but you know the people that were mad at martin scorsese weren't 
ever watching Martin Scorsese movies anyway. You know, yeah. like they yeah. they they weren't like they weren't Marty stands that were like, ah, damn King, you really messed up here. Like they don't know who he is. They think he only makes mm. gangster movies. They don't care. Mm. It doesn't matter. Mm. They they don't. You know, and there are all these times where like soup people the the Snyder cut guys okay yeah. where are they for uh elaine may to get the yeah. the extended versions of all of her movies released you know mm. if it's really about like artistic integrity and not just like you getting your toys like okay then where are you trying to get michael mann's extended cut of the keep finally restored and and you know like and and available to everyone where are you the mm. the director's cut of black hat has only been viewed once on fx one time and is not commercially available where are you snyder cut guys yeah where yeah, are yeah. you hello hello I or can't no I, or, I, or, or also where are you about finishing projects like projects like maybe dream projects that had to be abandoned due to running out of money where? that we could at least digitally finish yeah, and yeah, get yeah. out there yeah, where where are you with uh, Guillermo del Toro's Mountain, Mountains of Madness, guys? Where, where you, are you, you for? Where are you for the films that are uh, on no streaming service whatsoever because like the license rights are messed up? Where are you yep. for like all those movies that like things that things that never made the jump from VHS to DVD, things that never made the jump from DVD to streaming, things that made it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, uh, it's. You know, folks are real ardent supporters of their one thing, but they won't show up for... Show up for Elaine May. (laughs) Yeah, show up for Elaine May. Help me get the Heartbreak Mm. Kid, which is owned by, like, a pharmaceutical company. Help me get a decent fucking (laughs) blue DVD release of the Heartbreak Kid. Come on, man. Let me rent it. (laughs) Did you know that uh, with YouTube, uh, because, like, movies and media switches hands, like, ownership all the time... Uh, you can get, say, like you 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 do a review on a movie, uh, and it was made by X Studio. It got bought out by Y Studio, and Y Studio got bought out by Z Studio. You can get a copyright strike from all three studios. <laughs> that is a true thing. Uh, they, uh, just if they end the rights rights at any point, they can copyright strike you. Amazing. But Snyder Cut guys, who gives? They don't give a fuck about that. Who cares? Because like, Batman's not in any of those movies. You, you know. know? Yep. He's not in any of them, so they don't... Batman's the most important character in, in American culture. It's important that Batman be serious and deep, not that you just mm-hmm. watch other things that are serious and deep. Yes, No, course. I must always yes. watch Batman, so Batman must become serious and deep. It's like there's a commu- It's like there's a population of people who hate, who resent anyone making them realize they have to make choices about their lives. (laughs) Like, no, I'm serious. Like they, that they are, that they resent being shown alternatives and then have to choose to do what they're already doing. Mm. Yes. And they resent the fact that they had to choose at all. They want, like God damn, like I wasn't going to watch, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, but now I have to justify why I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> of course. And I hate having to expend that little bit of extra energy. Yeah. And maybe do that little bit of extra self-reflection. Oh, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to think for yourself and uh, yeah. <laughs> make decisions and stand up for, for something you believe in because you might be wrong. Right. People might, Just or like worse, people might think you're dumb. Just like in July. <laughs> yes, yes. About one man, d- instead of do it, doing what was expected of him, 
and instead realizing that he instead could have made a choice and chosen otherwise. Yeah. And why choosing otherwise was the preferable no option. No one wants to be a Ron Cobb. And for that movies. choice happened to be considering how he hurts others more than how he was hurt. And that's just like people that like Iron Man. That's the yes. same. Yes. Thing. They are they same are energy. vacuous people with no capacity for empathy and they are beyond happy. I agree. Ooh. It's like it's like one of the worst burns I've Rubber ever heard. rooms for the It's lot. like one of the worst burns I've ever heard, which is calling someone a fundamentally incurious person. It's just like, oh no! Oh god, he's dead. Oh no, he's not coming oh back from god. that one. You know, yeah, God, that's such uh that's such a good uh terminology uh, fundamentally incurious and uh mm-hmm. i don't know man fun yeah uh, incuriousness curiosity kills the cat but incuriousness diseases the cat have you have y'all <laughs> ever heard that time that bill murray murdered chevy chevy chase have y'all ever heard this this zinger before oh, when, when he called him a medium talent yes uh, so yeah. chevy chase was like making fun of bill murray because he has like you know, acne scars or whatever. He's called them like crater face. And Bill Murray just turns to him and says, you're a medium talent. (laughs) And Chevy Chase's ashes were scattered on the wind. Like, oh my God, to be murdered in a public forum by Bill Murray in such a way. Uh, Bill Murray before airtime. Talk about a problematic fave, William Murray. Uh, but like you can't, yeah. you can't deny a burn that strong. That's just that's power. <laughs> that's money. That's power yeah. you can't buy. Seven minutes before Chevy went on on air, uh, he gets called a medium talent. And that's why every time Chevy's not talking, he's just like staring at the ground. <laughs> he's yes. just, he's just like, oh god, <laughs> oh god, what's happening? His uh, his hair is messed up whenever he does that monologue because like. They started to go to blows. That's uh, what I've heard. That's the legend. That's the mm-hmm. legend that they were that they were coming to turn. That it, Bill Murray essentially like kicks him out on stage, like literally. You know. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Hell yeah. We should all do that to Chevy Chase. Chevy, come over you here. Should. Chevy, come over here. The 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 thing it's is my turn for shoving Chevy. The thing is, if we were to, you know, if we were to shove Chevy, he would at least stumble out uh, in a comedic way. You know. It would be. He would fall oh, down pretty okay. funny. He would make a uh, meal out of it. A, a, a question for the room. A question from the room. Uh, if you could shove Chevy off of one thing, what would it be? <laughs> oh. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'd shove him I'd shove him off of a ledge that's directly above like a psychiatrist's couch. Like <laughs> just something where he finally like sits down and like <laughs> deals bumped. with his issues. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's what I would show Chevy Chase uh, in real life. But uh, uh, in bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would do, um, I would be on a very tall boat and I would push him off onto a, like a, a little dinghy. You know, I would be mm-hmm. on a very big boat and I would push him off and he would land on a small dinghy. We, mm. we were robbed when we didn't get the Chevy Chase Mr. Magoo movie. <laughs> <laughs> he would have made that so funny. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Instead, we got Leslie Nielsen (laughs) (laughs) as Mr. Magoo. Famed slapstick comedian, Leslie Nielsen. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. What What can I say? 
They made a whole movie out of it. There's a character in it who is a guy who gets a tattoo every time he kills someone, and he's covered in tattoos. I saw that movie when I was like six, but I remember that Wait, vividly. Wait, that's in the Magoo movie? That's in the Magoo movie. Wow, I did not know I believe that. Magoo, you know, falls afoul of some toughs, but he doesn't realize it. He thinks they're perfectly nice men. You know, he's like, mm, yes, yeah, so, mm, mm. oh, I'm going to look over here. Mm. <laughs> you do such a good Magoo. <laughs> See, what if uh, what if Mr. Magoo prevented the JFK assassination? Oh, like, yes. If... I'm taking a walk in Dallas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the crisp November morn in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I have to return a book to the library. <laughs> What's He's that? Like, <laughs> Back into the cleft. What's on my chin? Yeah, more, yeah. Part of our mission uh, in doing these every year is that we're going to magoon, we're going to slowly magoo pill uh, the United States. So we're going to. We're, this is our long campaign to long reboot campaign. Mr. Magoo. Yeah. I would reboot Mr. Magoo. You could do something with that. It would be... I would do, like... I would have to take it to, like, the Adult Swim sort of level. I don't think a child would give a shit about Mr. Magoo. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we gotta, we gotta like, take it up a notch. But, you know, there's... There's there's room there. The... the you're, You would, like, Conker's Bad Fur Day, Mr. Magoo. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've, I we've, would do... 21 Jump Street, the movie, versus 21 Jump Street, the TV show. Yes, 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 yes. The kids uh-huh. who grew up with this are now grown up. You can't appeal to that generation anymore. Right. The kids who grew up with Mr. Magoo are 80 years old. are in the retirement home. <laughs> yeah, the kids who grew up with Mr. Magoo are filling up the crematorium day What's by that? day. Apple Plus? What's Apple Plus? I'm scared. I like <laughs> regular apples. Why are we plusing them? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> HBO Max, I don't know him. <laughs> Hulu, I didn't realize I was in Honolulu. Well, no, well, no, H- well, no HBO is like a slur for a, for an Eastern European country that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Uh, yeah, well, it's okay. Here's here's the Mr. Magoo show. It's it it has no like timeline <laughs> chronology it operates on like looney tunes timeline logic so it's like mr magoo stumbles around ancient rome mr magoo causes vesuvius mr magoo breaks up the soviet union you know but he's just mm. like oh yes wandering through the room uh and he uh this, accidentally yeah, damn, this, well. <laughs> we, he's he's the forest gump for all of the disasters in history yeah. right okay <laughs> uh-huh yes he accidentally yes. like punches a hole in noah's ark <laughs> you know Marvel's Eternals, but it's Mr. Magoo. Yeah, like Mr. Magoo at, at the base of Hiroshima. <laughs> like, what have I done? I was, I'm responsible for this. <laughs> Why do you have such a good Magoo? <laughs> I don't Why know if it is good. So good. I, just, I think it is. No, but it's the last. I, I just try to think. It's because Thurston Howell, Jim Backus, did yeah, the voice of Mr. Thurston Magoo. Howell. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so that I just try sense. to think of, like, sense. what does him laughing sound like? Ha, <laughs> 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 Jim Backus. Oh, man. What a talent. Lovely. Generational talent. <laughs> uh... 
folks, uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys got to say about Born of the Fourth of July? I got to pee super bad. Uh, no, I, I, I don't. Um, I, I think it's, I think it is like a, I mean, it's a good film. It's heavy. Like it's not a, super it's not heavy, an easy yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to have a quote unquote good time, but, uh, it's worth a watch if it comes across your, your fucking desk. If you're ever like, mm, I need to eat my vegetables today. This movie is vegetables. This is a vegetables movie. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, it's hearty. Oh yeah. Oh, it's a fucking, it's a thick vegetable soup, tomato base. Yeah. And, um, chunky. and it's chunky, but yeah, you know, sometimes it's good for the soul, uh, to d- grapple with the horrors of your nation's past. And, uh, and honestly, yeah, this is a pretty good movie in which to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, obviously, like, it's not a it's not a crowd pleaser. Uh, I guess at one point it was, but it was, not anymore. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, how do I put it? It's like, uh, I don't know. Just, like, it, it's another, I think it's an important perspective to have. Yes. Uh, and sometimes important perspectives to have are hard to mm-hmm. consume. Yes. Um, if you want a more palatable film that grapples with the aftermath of Vietnam, that works in also the Vietnamese perspective, and it's very much about like their perspective on it. Uh, Spike Lee's *The Five Bloods* I think is oh, a okay. much more like uh-huh. much more palatable, much more watchable movie that also deals with like the generational trauma that traces back to this war, you know, and the people that fought in it and how, and how they mm-hmm. dealt with their, their sons and things like that. It's a, it's a much, uh, easier pill to swallow if, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Yes. Right. Uh, this was the inaugural getting stoned. Honestly, I think it went better than all of us expected. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, we'll see you this time next year. Uh, we don't, mm. I don't know what we're doing. We'll, mm. we'll, we'll tell you, or we won't. Or we won't. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Or we won't. <laughs> yeah. And for those out there listening, thank you for your service. Yeah. Thank you. In listening to this podcast. that Listening to this podcast makes you a troop. You are now braver mm. than the troops oh. for having listened to 90 minutes of this. Oh. Oh, that's a nervous Magoo laugh. That's uh... <laughs> that's what Magoo knows the shit is up, right? He oh. knows he's in deep shit. Yeah, yeah. That's Mr. Magoo trying to tug his tie, but he tugs someone else. Yeah. That's Mr. Magoo realizing that, like, he stepped into a big lobster pot and he realizes now that it's not a jacuzzi. You know, yeah, like, he, that's yes. that's the dawning horror on Mr. He, Magoo. Uh, yeah, he, he accidentally... Uh, he walked into uh, the the monkey enclosure at the zoo, and he's thinking he's mm-hmm. straight. He's adjusting his tie, but he's actually pulling on a monkey's tail. Uh, yeah. And he he he. This morning when he put his tie on, he knew his tie was not fuzzy. But now in this part of the day, he did not. He did. He has no clue whatsoever. Because mm. not only is Mister uh, Mister Magoo blind, but he texture. Uh, he cannot. He could not feel texture of any sort. He is numb to the yeah. outer world. Yeah. He has no sense of. Touch. Mr. No Magoo touch. is a prisoner yeah. inside his own form. Yes, and so that's why he like he has no fucking clue whatsoever when he stops walking on like asphalt and starts walking on ice. That's why, like mm-hmm. he, <laughs> you and I know, but like uh, uh, it's uh, he has the opposite thing. Normally, when you lose mm-hmm. one sight, all your other senses are like one sense, all your others are stronger. 
Uh, yeah. His is, they all got weaker. No. He's the outlier. Yeah. Um, if do you, would do you think that Mr. Magoo could survive opening the Ark of the Covenant because he would not see the visage of God? Uh, I I think he would. I don't think he would be the one who opens it. I think someone else would be opening it, and he would trip over something and knock it open. <laughs> uh, but I do think he would survive. <laughs> And this is like, yeah, like, oh, hmm, I left my picnic basket. I must open someone's it up. like face melts off and he's like sliding <sighs> in the puddle of their skin, their face skin on the ground. And he's like, oh, someone left their ice cream in the uh, hot exterior. Someone. Has, well, <laughs> the, Vern, we're going, we're going, we're going to Cartoon Network. We're pitching the reboot. Okay. You're going to, you're going to yeah. do that voice in the meeting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're like adult swims like i don't know we're not sold and they're like well listen to Vern here and, <laughs> and they're like oh. <laughs> and that's how we take over william street yes call Can't us wait. call us adult swim guys i gotta pee really bad uh all right thank um, you for listening well good night everybody i was choking in the lab late one night because glaucoma affects my sight I started to have a coffin fit when I asked Weed Gore, what is this shit? They smoked my smash. This is my monster stash. It was my stash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up into the flash. It was my stash. It was my monster stash. The vampires in the castle had caught a whiff, so they rolled up and shared a spliff. The ghouls crawled out of the graveyard holes to spark up a monster bowl. They smoked my smash. Smoked my monster stash. It was my stash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up in a flash. It was my stash. It was my monster stash. The zombies were smoking some when the munchies had just begun. So they devoured a human and ate all his fun yums. The monster from his lab let out a grunt, so I passed him a Frankenblunt. He broke out of his chains and began to rise. His skin was green, but red were his eyes. He smoked my smash. Smoked my monster stash. It was my stash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up with the flash. It was my stash. It was my monster stash. The werewolf stopped being chased by Shaggy and Scooby. Instead, they decided to share a big doobie. Dankula opened his coffin with a push and asked, Whatever happened to my Castlevania Kush? It's now my stash. It's now my monster stash. It was my stash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up with the flash. It was my stash. It's now my monster stash. A broom was the only way a witch could fly. But now there's another thing that gets them real high. But if you think monster smoking on Halloween is funny, you should see how these ghouls act on 420. It's now my stash. It's now my monster stash. They smoked my smash. It was some graveyard hash. It was my stash. I toked up with a flash. It was my stash. With my monster stash. Ah! Ah!
Haven't you ever heard of Puff Puff Pass? Mm, this is good shit. Mm. 